I'm here with Patrick McCormick. Patrick McCormick from Canandaigua, right? Correct. And Patrick, tell me about yourself real quick. So I, uh, I'm from Canandaigua originally. I went to school at SUNY Geneseo, not, not too far down the road, and I studied political science there. And since then, I've lived in Nicaragua and Brazil, and am in between year one and year two as a Fulbright scholar in Guayana, Brazil. I am also a former Fulbright scholar. I was in, I was in South Korea. How, how was your Fulbright experience? It was great. Year one was really great, and I'm excited to go back to the same university with armed with the knowledge of what worked, what didn't work, and to to further my my interest in in Brazil and Latin America. It's an incredible experience. It was a life changing experience for me in many ways. Uh, I su- fully support the Fulbright program. So you were here today in Albion, far away from Nicaragua. Why were you here today in Albion? Why were you back near your hometown? Why were we having this meeting here in the library? So I, a professor of mine from Geneseo reached out to me to, to invite me to give a talk about sort of what the driving factors pushing people from Central America to the United States, both as, as legal immigrants and as undocumented people. And I, so I put together a presentation looking at the region to better understand what really pushes people here and to dispel with some of the myths that... that that I think are pretty common when we have this discussion. So what is the reason, in a nutshell? Give me one sentence. Why do people come? For jobs. So jobs is sort of only a small portion of it. Actually, what the main driver of the three uh, countries in, that are sending the most immigrants, that's Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala, is violence. So they're almost equally as poor as their neighbor to the south, Nicaragua, where I've lived and worked before. But Nicaragua doesn't send large numbers. And that's because Nicaragua has, up until last year, been a much safer country. The idea that these people are all coming for work is not necessarily true. It's more they're looking for refuge, and we have, we have laws in place to help protect people like that, correct? We do, but not all of these laws have uh, been created to equally help people. So the story sort of stretches back to the Cold War when we propped up and gave a lot of military aid to the governments in in Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras. And as a result, it was politically untenable to let people in under asylum. So we had rates of asylum um, acceptances of like 2 3% for Guatemala and El Salvador. Meanwhile, where we were funding the Contra War in Nicaragua, people were, people were being accepted at a rate as high as 80%. So we applied the asylum rules based on our political interests in the region. And we were backing strongmen in places like Guatemala and Honduras. So therefore, we weren't going to help the people who are the victims of these strongmen. That's exactly right. Uh, rules around asylum, while we think of it as sort of humanitarian-based, have long been an important part of sort of political foreign policy. And that's continued to today, where if you go to an immigration hearing on asylum, uh, 20% of people are completely unrepresented, and those people, 90% of the time, Fail to fail to win asylum, where the other group has an almost 52 percent chance of winning asylum with representation, with people who understand the rules of the road and and can help these people advocate for themselves. So, what's the political climate today like in in Honduras and Guatemala? Why are people coming from these countries to the United States? It's it's because the strong men have failed; They're, they have not been replaced. I don't know enough. Please tell me. So. 
all three countries in the Northern Triangle have nominally transitioned to, to de- democracy, but there's still large levels of corruption and a lot of violent uh, actors, both related to the state, sort of corrupt police, corrupt military, um, continue to play a role in creating and pushing for violence and people who left those, those organizations in the process of, of cleaning them out have moved into sort of entrepreneurial violence in the form of gangs or being part of paramilitary groups. So we have superimposed the migrant issue, which has always existed for 50 or 100 years in America, right? Correct. With a political violence issue and a political asylum issue. So I think what I'm hearing from you is when we talk about these two issues, we should seriously talk about them separately because they're really separate issues. Absolutely. I think that uh, part of the problem is that we've mixed some of the narratives together. Um, the economic driver of immigration has been a big story in, in, in our, our history, in our imagination of America, whether it be European immigrants from the 19th and 20th century or Mexican immigrants who, who were coming across the border for, to make better, have better jobs, to make more money, to send back home. Um, so we've mixed that. What were you asking the people here today in this beautiful Hogue Library? What, what were you asking them to do? Or were you just informing them? What was, the, what was your message today? Today was meant to be, be informational. I wanted to give people a better understanding of, of what's really happening so that when you hear these sort of common storylines of people need to come here legally or the right way or that, that people are coming just to, to take a slice out of the American economy, uh, that people had a better understanding of how to counter those narratives with the facts, to understand that the rules have not been created or applied fairly for people, and that people aren't really trying to just make a buck. People are trying to escape violence, and in the, in the sense that they want to make money, many of them only want to do so to help pay to keep their families safe back home. Fleeing from countries where we were involved, where we have, as a, as a nation at least some liability or some um, responsibility for the political states in those countries? Absolutely. We have, a, we have a historic role that we played in these countries in the form of millions and millions of dollars of military aid. We've trained many of the military officers and, in some cases, leaders of those countries. Right here in the United States, Fort Benning, Georgia, was once the home to this quote, school of the Americas, where many of these officers convicted of, of crimes like genocide or crimes against humanity trained. And we did that under the justification that we were trying to stop communism from spreading. We created the School of America, to, which is really a strange word for a place that created um, paramilitary teams, correct? But we, we created that place to help fight the spread of communism. Right. Uh, there was a the latter, especially in the latter half of the Cold War, there was this great concern that communism was going to spread to the United States via Latin America. And the, in as much as these guerrillas you know, might have professed Marx, uh, Marxist-Leninist views, many of them were advocating for simpler land reform and poverty reduction programs. So we didn't talk about the drug trade and what role the drug trade is, has in creating violence and also driving uh, asylum seekers to the United States. Can you speak about that just briefly? Uh, yeah, I, I would say that uh, the drug trade has developed in Central America uh, uh, partially 
in re, you know, largely in response to U.S. need. It's a point of a passing point for drugs to come to the United States, and in some ways, our attempts to combat that have really failed. Uh, countries where we poured in uh, aid to militarize police and create anti-drug task forces have just created sort of an arms race between uh, state actors and and gangs. Do you want to add anything? No, I'm, just, I'm interested in the oh, okay. summary, and I also want to make sure I'm not giving the library back any of your stuff. This is all library stuff, correct? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Not a problem. <laughs> So, um, and she helped organize. Yeah. Organize? So how did, how did you two get connected? <laughs> come, come and say hi real quick. <laughs> Stay here. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't, you've got no. somebody on speakerphone. No, I'm recording. Oh, you're recording? Yeah, I'm oh, going to put this out as a podcast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you go, like, lean in and say why you did this and state your name and why you did it. It'd be great. Sure. I'm Beth Wood, um, and I'm part of the Orleans County Democratic Committee, and we wanted to get just some in- information about why it is that Central Americans are so interested in coming north, even given all the controversy up here. Beth, you're here in a rural county. How many people from South America, Central America, do we see in Albion and the surrounding area? We have lots and lots of migrant workers who come in through some of the H. 2A, I believe, Patrick, visas um, for short-term work, um, but that results in folks being around from other places. Um, so there's a lot of immigration up into this area. So what we wanted to do was kind of get a feel for what is really going on in Central America. So I contacted the Geneseo Latin American Studies Program and was fortunate enough to have them immediately recommend Patrick and let me know we needed to act quickly since he's headed back for his Brazilian scholarship. Well, I will say this, you know, how to hear an Albion for both of you guys. Uh, you know, there's an invisible community that lives among us here, and that is the migrant working community. We don't, they're part of this community, and they're here, and they're supplying labor that either we cannot supply ourselves here or is otherwise unavailable here. And they do support a lot of local businesses. And there's not a lot of tension between that community and the full-time residents of, of Orleans County or Genesee County. I previously worked for the migrant education program, um, not here in Orleans County, but over in Cayuga County and Onondaga County. And yeah, without, without migrant labor from places like Guatemala, we would be, there would be just be no way to meet, to have you know, dairy farms and, and orchards uh, do the work that they do. And I think that we do need to think of them as part of our community and not these foreigners amongst us. Uh, if anyone's really interested, one of, the, one of the concrete steps that people could take would be to check out the Green Light Initiative that's uh, currently going through the state government, the state legislature, which would allow for a separate type of driver's license, which would afford people the ability to to be on the roads after meeting certain qualifications and paying into the system, um, so that these people are not so reliant on their employers as their only form of, of movement or paying exploitive prices to people to drive them to the store or take that risk themselves. I mean, they are truly members of our community, and they put food on the table. Doesn't it make sense for us to incorporate these fellow members of our community into our 
into our lives rather than treating them as an invisible other that we don't even know about, that, that can't interact with us? Uh, absolutely it does, and, and there's some great programs aimed at helping do that, but what we, the first thing we need to do is do exactly what you said. Think about them as, as community members, people who have been living in the area for years and, and contribute to the economy and have their children in our schools. I mean, these, they're a part of New York just the same way that any other resident who moves in from another part of the state or from another state is. They just are not afforded the same protections because of the unfair rules that, that don't allow for people who don't have a lot of money or come with, you know, uh, high level of education to become be part of the American society, despite the fact that they're huge drivers in our economy. Imagine that. Imagine the, the potential for abuse when you have people who are isolated, so dramatically isolated. Um, and also the, the fact that it's more difficult to, 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 to understand who they are, so it creates fear and also creates a threat because we're not identifying these folks as part of our community. So people can come it out in an, almost in an invisible way. So, you're, so the takeaway message here today is what? Number one is we have migrant workers who have been with us for generations. It's not a new thing. We also have asylum seekers who have been coming to us for years, who have been treated unfairly when they come from certain areas that we as a country have been involved with politically. Yeah, I think it's just important to understand that violence is, is a primary driver of people from, from the Northern Triangle and that, that when they come here, they're, they are not necessarily afforded the same opportunity that other people are to, to settle and safely, safely leave violence that the U.S. has a real historic and, and even present role in creating in those countries. So I think we have to own the sort of our moral and ethical obligations to, to to these countries and the people who flee from there and understand that uh, the rules haven't been fair and they aren't you know, the way that we should be judging what's right and wrong. You did an excellent job. Well, how can people learn more before I let you go? Um, there's a lot of great work being done um, in the Rochester area. Rockla does a lot of uh, educational presentations, about one every month. Uh, people who are interested in helping workers in in the community should check out the Worker Justice Center of New York and consider donating to them and talking to the advocates there about the needs of workers. And the other thing to do is to um, you know, contact your local leaders and find out how they're supporting people and, and how you can make your community a safer place for for members who are truly are part of this community. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. It doesn't go